0: Hello everybody, welcome. Uh, this is Dave and Sherry Everett and uh, welcome to our Bible study on Don't remember God, uh, written by Andrew Womack. Uh, we are in the thir- third chapter, uh, Fear of Risk, and uh, we hopefully will finish wrap up that chapter today. Uh, anyway, uh, we just uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, feel free to make any comments below, hopefully pertaining to the the topic that we're talking about uh, this evening, and as well as any prayer requests or or whatnot, feel free to say hello. Where you're from, especially if you're from a different part of the the, the world, for that matter. And uh, and just thank you for joining us. Uh, once we get uh, dialed in here, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, Sherry will narrate for us uh, the reading material, and then uh, we'll talk about it. So, so anyway, uh, again, this is Don't Limit God by Andrew Womack. And uh, so anyway, we're going to be uh, continuing our Bible study. We do have our previous Bible studies that we've done the live stream of Facebook on our website. They're archived there. If you go to our website, lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as, yeah, if you once you go there, go to our messages page. And then uh, from our messages page, there's a tab for our teaching series, and you'll find uh, our teaching series. This is uh, Lesson 9 on our book, Don't Let Me God. So anyway, uh, thank you again, thank you for joining us. And uh, once you're ready, Sherry, we will go ahead and uh, get started here. Right.
1: Okay. Uh, fear of Risk. One time a friend contacted me and said he was starting a Bible school. He had four pages of good questions he wanted to ask me about starting this school. One of the questions was, If you were doing it all over again, what would you do differently? I thought about it, and you know what? I wouldn't have done anything differently. Our Bible school has changed a lot since it first started. It's much better than it was, but at the time, I gave it everything I had. I didn't have very many resources, So I couldn't do things the way that we do them now. I also didn't have the same personnel. There were so many limitations in the beginning. If I had said, I'm going to do this Bible college perfectly and it's going to be the best Bible college that ever existed, we never would have started a Bible college. We had to start with what we had. And yes, we made mistakes. Yes, we've learned some things. That's why it's much better today than it was when we first started. Some people are such perfectionists that they're afraid of making a mistake, so they don't do anything. That's the biggest mistake of all. It's like a little kid learning to ride a bicycle. He will fall. He may cut his knee. But you know what? He will get back up and do it again. Eventually, he will learn how to ride a bicycle. People fear making mistakes. This really comes down to the fact that they aren't secure in Jesus. They are afraid because their identity and worth are caught up in what they do. But it's not the way it should be. We need to find our security and identity in our relationship with God. If my ministry failed and I had to go back to pouring concrete for a living, I know that God would still love me. I could have a wonderful relationship with Him without a ministry. My identity is not in my ministry. That is not who I am. That is just a vehicle that God has given me to use while I'm on this earth. My board of directors once told me, Andrew, you're bankrupt. Close the doors. We're shutting this thing down. They were going to shut our ministry down because we couldn't make it financially. When I thought about this, I actually got excited. I thought, this will be awesome. My relationship with God will go through the roof if I don't have all the things of the ministry to deal with. It would be great to be Joe Blow Christian, just in love with Jesus, and have no ministerial responsibility. I knew that wasn't what the Lord wanted me to do, but I would have been content to walk away from this ministry. We need to find our identity in the Lord and be secure in Him.
0: Amen. Yeah, thank you, Sherry. So again, I uh, welcome those of you who are joining us. We're doing our Bible study on "Don't Limit God." Uh, anyway, we're in the third chapter entitled uh, "Fear of Risk." And anyway, so feel free uh, to uh, say hello and make any comments below. Anyway, uh, Andrew, uh, a portion of uh, the book that uh, Sherry just read for us from uh, Andrew's book, you know, it talks about the fear of risk and. Uh, you know, it talks about being a perfectionist, and I know that's an area where I can actually err at times, uh, sometimes I want every T crossed and every dot I did, I mean dot, I, I dotted, <laughs> uh, excuse me, uh, you know, so I know I can be a, 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 a fault with that at times, and anyway, to learn that. anyway, but Andrew's right, you know, we we can't, we can't look for perfection in everything. And he's also right. Our identity has to be in Christ and not what we do. You know, he uses his example as a minister. I'm a minister. But uh, at some same point in time, uh, maybe it's your vocation, you know. Typically when uh, you uh, enter into a new relationship or you connect with someone, t- some of the first questions you ask, once you once the basic introductions are... are uh, been established is, what do you do? We often identify people with as a contract worker, or a bank teller, or a caregiver, or a pastor, etc. What they do does define what they do and, and what not, and so it does give some, I guess, identity from that perspective. But overall, our identity must be in Christ. You know, me personally, My dream, my vision, my calling in many ways describes who I am in in the sense I believe uh, in what I do, you know, um, but my identity is in Christ. And, uh, you know, if God told me to go do something else, then I need to be willing to go do that, whatever that case may be. Uh, my identity has to be in Christ, not what I do. Uh, But uh, what I do, I believe, comes out of my identity in Christ. Uh, my, my destiny my purpose uh, my vision uh, uh, comes over there's an overflow of my identity in Christ and so I believe it comes from from that and so so I, I I say amen to exactly what Andrew was saying here you know our identity must be in Christ and not our vocation or not our calling as pastors or ministers um, and as well as he talked about and what we just read, uh, that um, you know sometimes we can be perfectionists. And, you know, we have, we have such a fear of risk. We have such a fear of, of a lack of perfection. We we'll wait till every uh, T is crossed and every I is dotted before we ever do anything. And he said that's wrong. You know, um, we, we 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 need to we need. We don't want to do things stupid. We don't want to do things in the flesh. We, we don't want to. Uh, do things in our own strength and our own wisdom, and we don't want to necessarily do things sloppy uh, just because of lack of sloppiness, you know. But at the same point in time, we got you know, uh, uh, we need to do everything decently and in order. But at the same point in time, there there's a point in time where we we take risks. Like he used an analogy of a, a a child riding a bike. You know, that you got to get on that bike. You got to get it a go. You got to try. You got to. You gotta in a sense get off the couch and, and do something. You know, even in this coronavirus, even in the season we're in, uh, we have to we have to go do something. Uh, you know, there was a season where Sherry and I didn't have work for five years. And we were trying, we were with I was personally was with thirty chump agencies, couldn't get a job from McDonalds to anything. I was applying everywhere, every which way. Uh, but you know, there came a point in time where and beyond just applying for a job, I had to go do something. Uh, what was I going to go do? I had no car, I had no phone. Part of the reason I didn't get a job, I didn't have a phone for anyone to call. Um, that makes it a little hard. Uh, but uh, you know, but there were times I could go volunteer. Volunteer at the church we were we were attending at the time and different things. There things to do. Uh, and so, you know, we can do something. And he says that he will bless the work of our hands. And so, Uh, We got to do something, and uh, where and how do we know even what to do? Well, it comes out of our identity in Christ. It comes out of our relationship with God. Uh, That is so core. That is so foundational. And uh, everything we do, everything we are, comes out of our relationship with God. That's one thing I'm teaching right now on Sunday mornings. Uh, My morning dismissal. I just started a new teaching series this morning on the Garden Restored, and you know. Uh I don't do this all the time, but my when I do pray and when i especially my most intimate times with the Lord, which should be every day and should be throughout the day uh, and I do spend time with the Lord every day, but there's there's what I call the special those special times, and even with my wife we we spend time together every day, but then we have special days, we have vacations, we have special dates. And we just celebrated our 20th anniversary, and we went to our favorite restaurant, and we took a drive up the coast and, and whatnot. And and so anyway, uh, with God, some of my, my most special uh, times with Him, my most intimate times with Him, I, in my own mind, I just picture myself walking in the garden, just like Adam did, uh, in the cool of the day. And that's how I spend my time with God, and, and uh, where I just feel relaxed, I feel comfortable, I feel relational with God, uh, uh, not just with all my, my prayer lists and, and different things. And uh, I just come and, in a sense, just walk with God, holding His hand, sometimes sitting on His lap, sometimes just sitting underneath a, a shade tree and just talking and, and whatnot. And that's just how I picture it, you know, just being real, just being relational. Uh, and so, um, uh, anyway, everything should flow out of that relationship with God. And I just painted a picture of how I, I spent my time with God in uh, those, those special times. Anyway, do uh, you have anything to add, Sherry?
1: No, just Dave and I were always, always go back to relationship with God. We can't stress it enough how important and beneficial it is for your or mine or Dave's well-being. Right. It's... I wish I had the words to say how vital it is because everything we need in life is in that relationship with God. I know I'm quoting Dave from his message this morning but I can't tell you if I didn't have God in my life I, I, would, I would be worse than a mess. I don't think I have the, the bad enough words to describe life without God but I wish I had the good enough words to describe just, I mean, even, even in, in Romans five seventeen, 17, it, it says that we've received an abundance of grace, uh, of the end of the gift of righteousness, but we will reign in life through Christ Jesus. And, I mean, that, I, I wish, I wish. I could just sit at Jesus' feet and have him tell me just all that this verse entails. I mean, abundance of grace. I mean, that should be mind-boggling to all of us. But that identity in Christ and that relationship with, with, with God that we, we keep bringing up, we really, really, really need to know how much we are loved. Being in ministry, not being in ministry, whatever job you have, whatever family you have, whatever your life is, it needs to stem from that relationship with God. And the most freeing, best thing ever that I could pray, that we could pray for you, is that you would know God's love for you. And out of that would stem who you are in Christ what are you to do with your life your purpose your your well-being everything all boils back down to that relationship with Christ and knowing who you are in him
0: Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. and don't worry about making mistakes god doesn't pick us because we're perfect like andrew and dave were talking about he loves us anyways he's like a parent who their kid can be as good as gold or a little stinker, but the parent still loves them. Are they happier when their child is good? Yes, but that love of a parent does not change, and God's love for us is better than any best earthly parent on the planet. His love does not change. It doesn't matter if we've failed, made a mistake, or whatever. He just wants us to know how much He loves us.
0: Mm. Let's go ahead and read some more. Again, we're uh, studying Don't Limit God, and we're in chapter 3, talking about the fear of risk. And the title of this section is called,
1: Step Out of the Boat. Over the years, as I believed God for various things to come to pass, I realized that even if they didn't, God would still be pleased with me because at least I went for it. I believe he would have said, Andrew, you failed, but I'm proud of you because you tried. Then He would have proceeded to show me where I missed it. I think that's the way God looks at things and at us. Many of you are limiting God because you aren't doing what God has put in your heart due to the risk involved. You're afraid to get out of the boat. You're afraid to do something out of the norm. Are you afraid to quit your job and move leaving your family and friends in order to go to Bible college? Or do whatever else God has told you to do? When I began in ministry I used to go to nursing homes and prisons because they'd let anybody preach. That was really good for me. I remember one lady in particular at the nursing home because she was so proper. You could tell she was very well to do when she was younger. She always looked picture perfect. Every hair was in place and she wore expensive clothing. When I came to see her she spent the whole time crying and talking about how she used to be somebody important, and how people used to come and seek her out. She still had friends, but sometimes it was months before someone came to see her. She was just sitting there, waiting on death. I remember looking at her and thinking, God, I don't want my life to be this way. Just about everyone is going to get old. When you get old, will you just sit around and wait on death? is your life so wrapped up in your job that when you retire your life will be over? I don't want that and I don't think you want that either. But that's where a lot of people are headed because they are afraid to step out of the boat. They are afraid to follow what God told them to do. They're taking the easy way out. I've actually had people tell me that God told them to come to our Bible school, but they still had five years before they could retire, so they couldn't leave at that time without losing some of their pension. I told them that God can give them a lot more than their pension. When God called them to go, He knew they still had five years left before they could retire with a pension. Yet He still called them. They limit God because of fear. They are counting on their social security check instead of God. If you can't believe God for something more than social security, I'm not sure he needs you. I opted out of Social Security when I was 20 years old and I don't have a penny coming. But guess what? God has taken care of me. Everything Jamie and I own is paid for. We do not have to limit ourselves to a pension plan. God is bigger than that. You need to step out of the boat and trust God. It's exciting to be out there saying, God, if you don't come through, I'm going to make a huge splash.
0: And again, welcome everybody. Again, we're going through Andrew's book, Don't Limit God. We're in the third chapter talking about the fear of risks. And thank you for joining us, those of you who are watching. You know, I don't have a lot to comment on this uh, section that uh Sherry just wrote from Andrew's book, uh whatnot, but I just do. but the title does uh, the section heading does uh step out uh speak to me, you know, step out to the vote. Uh you know, so uh, and on everything we've been saying uh, even the previous section, even last week in our Bible study, if you were with us. But again, sometimes we're waiting until every, everything is right. everything's in in, in perfect shape. And actually, uh, there's a passage Scripture that's coming to mind in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Sorry, I thought I didn't have much to say, but then Scripture came to mind. So I'm just going to go with it. Um, you know, sometimes we're waiting for everything to be perfect, or whatnot, or, or whatever our excuse is. Andrew's using an excuse here in this section. People think we're too old, uh, or maybe some people's excuse because of the coronavirus, whatnot. And and I understand there's some limitations, you know, uh, mon- money, finances, whatever the case may be. You know, we we've been we've been there. We've been there with lack of finances. We've been there. Right now, we're we're having some challenges for some of the circumstances we're going through. But I'm choosing not to limit God. I, I, I believe that my God will supply my needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I believe I'm going to trust God. I believe I'm going to uh, do what God's called me to do, uh, even if everything's against me. Uh, you know, Even if we didn't have a 5-1-C-3, even if we didn't have an organization, we're still going to do what God's called us to do. You know, however that might be. and uh, But we do have a 5 11 3 We do have things God's given us. We do have a ripple over our heads. We do have uh, things that we can use for His glory. Uh, but Ecclesiastes chapter 11. And uh, we'll start with verse 1. I'm going to read a little bit of scripture here. It says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a serving to seven and also the eight. For you do not know what evil will come on the earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. <coughs> Excuse me. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, and the place where the tree falls, there it shall lie. And he observes the wind, will not sow. And he who regards the clouds, will not reap. As you do not know what is the way of the wind, or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God, who makes everything in the morning sow your seed and in the evening do not withhold your hand for you do not know which will prosper either this or that or whether both alike will be good (coughs) and uh i stumbled across this passage a few years ago and uh i'm not going to highlight everything here but uh solomon who wrote christianity makes an analogy here he and uh, when you first read it, you're like, "What's he talking about?" Uh, verse three says, "If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And there, if a tree falls to the south or to the north, wherever it falls, there it's going to lie." And I don't know about you, but when I read that, my first reaction would would be, "Duh! <laughs> if a tree falls, there there it's going to lie. When the, when the clouds are full of rain, they." Excuse me. They empty. They empty themselves on the earth, and that's you know. And in other words, that the, the obvious response to something like that is like, duh. You know. I mean, that is just so deep. Thank you for that inspiration. You know, it's just a. But the the analogy to me is is very profound, even though it's a very obvious answer. Where a tree falls, there's gonna lie. Well. If we sow, we will reap. He says, you know. He goes on to say, He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. He he who is waiting for the perfect opportunity, he who is waiting for everything to be in alignment to do what God's him to do, uh uh, is not it won't do it. Won't he's not going to sow, and he because he sows. He will not reap you can't reap if you don't sow. it just it's just a, it's a law of the kingdom of how God has you know you can't expect potatoes if you don't sp- plant potatoes you can't expect corn if you don't you know we are we living here in Camarillo there's a lot of farmland you know and it's it's nice it's beautiful but you see different crops of so strawberries uh, all kinds of tree groves and, and uh, all different kinds of vegetation. You see them plowing it from time to time. You see them sowing different things. But they, they reap what they sow. <coughs> but they have to go through the process. You know, they, you know, I'm sure from season to season, from year to year, uh, they don't always have the same climate every year as far as, uh, you know, sometimes it rains more, sometimes there's not enough rain, sometimes it's drought. But they, they can't wait for the rain. They have to, they have to the farm, the farm the best they know how. with the the resources they have. And it goes on to say that, or you do not know how the, excuse me, the bones grow in in the womb of her as a child. So you do not know the works of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, whether this or that or both alike will be, will will prosper. You know, we, we need to, uh, you know, and sometimes we don't know where to sell or what to sell and whatnot. I understand that, but that again goes back to what Sherry and I keep saying every single time: you you have to have a relationship with God. It's in the secret place. It's in praying and asking Him, seeking Him. What what do I do? How do I? What God? What do you want me to get do? Where do you want to spend my time? You know, uh, finances. Let me just go back to finances. I mean, I can spend a lot of time with this. You know. God's our source, not our paycheck, not the government, not society. Thank God for the jobs that we have, if we have them. Thank God for the things that, uh, you know, any type of Social Security we may have or any type of other stipends or whatever we might be receiving. But God's our source. And God can take what we have. God can take the widow's oil. God can tell Peter to cast your net out and latch out to the deep. Cast your net on the other side. God can use Moses who didn't know how to speak on the backside of the desert. God can use people. God can send Elijah to a place called Bear to a brook so the ravens would feed him. God can lead. God can use whatever you have. Um, You know, God's your source. And, you know, sometimes uh, we heard a message from Carith Bottle College from Barry Bennett. Uh, while we were in second year. And he's he's encouraging the students. He says so many times he hears the students complaining about this job, complaining about their job and whatnot, and how they hate their job and whatnot. Well, their job might not be where they want to land. It might not be the job they want. But while they're there, that's their field. That's That's their harvest. That's their crop. And so instead of complaining about it, bless it. Bless your home. Bless your body. Bless the, the, the work of your hands. Bless our, you know, uh, I know we don't necessarily uh, like everything going on in government, but we need to pray for our governors. We need to pray for our government, our leadership. We need to pray. We need we, we need to pray for, for wisdom, for godly counsel, for godly leadership. We, we need to pray for ourselves, for God to give us wisdom. If we need to start. Change the game plan. You know, it's insane. It's insane to keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. Sometimes we need, Lord. What do I need to do different? Maybe I need a harvest. Maybe I start need to start a whole new harvest altogether. Maybe I've been planting potatoes. Potatoes are just not panning out. Maybe I need to plant strawberries. You know, what's what? Maybe I need to stop farming. Farming's just not it. Maybe I need to go get a different vocation. I'm not. I'm not saying that's the case. It's just. Lord, you tell me what to do. You show me what what where to sell. You tell me what, and if you tell me, I'm gonna trust you. I don't care what the land looks barren. I don't care what it is. But if you tell me to go do it, I'm gonna go do it, trusting you. And I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get off my chair. I'm gonna go do what you call me to go do. We had a gal or one time. She had some, <coughs> some debts, and so. Uh, and whatnot, and some medical expenses, I think it was for a family member, but anyway, she just started becoming crafty with some crafts and with some jewelry and whatnot, and she, from her proceeds, she was able to pay her bills and uh and do what she God called her to do. be creative, be innovative. I don't think where we have to work ourselves to a bone. I think we need to be faithful, I think we need to be diligent, you know, I think in many ways we need to be hard working. But we're trusting God, not the us. You know, we need to be faithful. Go ahead.
1: And I think to piggyback on Dave's, and I always like using Dave's example to me because I was one of the ones who complained about my job. Poor Dave. I would come home and just, I, I was so done with my job and I just was so tired of it and I would complain about it. But I never heard Dave once complain about his jobs. Yes, he would share stories, good and bad and silly, but he never complained. And I don't know how we got on the subject, but I finally found out from him why he had such a good attitude about his job. And his attitude was, I may not like my job, but it's where God has me now, and it's only a stepping stone to where God wants me to be. I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm seeing that's my goal. That's where God has called me to to be. But right now, I am here. So I'm going to be a blessing where I am. And his attitude really helped me. Uh, I had to deal with some difficult people, people I didn't really like. But I went in with a changed attitude. I wasn't perfect, but I was able to go in with a new fresh attitude, a good attitude, and I was able to be a blessing while I was there. And I had favor. And I'm just encouraging you, just like I'm I'm speaking to me, because I had to speak to myself on this, sometimes we just need to change our attitude. God, we trust you, please help me with my attitude. And it makes such a big difference, because when we realize that we are blessed to be a blessing, that we have the Lord God Almighty on our side, we are more than
0: conquerors. You know, we're working on something right now. I'm not going to go into specifics right now because we're online. Uh, but some of you, you know, we might share with some of this with some of you later because we, we know you. But, uh, you know, we, we, we're in a kind of unique situation right now where we need some more finances and whatnot because of some situations that have just transpired. And we're seeking God for wisdom and, and, uh, and whatnot, and we want to be good and faithful with, with, with our responsibilities, our, 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 our lease that we have here and whatnot, and so we're praying for wisdom. You know, and God, I believe God's given us a strategy, God's given us a, an idea, and, and, and there's some risk involved, and there's some uh, uh, investments involved in the beginning, uh, not a lot, but just a little bit to make it work, and so we're taking a step of faith. You know, there's a, a movie called "Facing the Giants" that's out there. It was It was put out a few years back. It's a Christian movie, and uh, it's it's actually one that really touches Sherry and I because there's some things in our past that this movie really touches and it brings both of us to tears almost every time we watch it. Uh, and so, anyway, there's a scene in this movie and uh, where uh, where the co- the coach. He's a football coach, and but he's going through a lot of different trials. I mean, they they can't have a child. Uh, he, he's struggling at his job um yeah that, car's not the car's not working the appliances are going out and and it just seems like everything's falling apart and uh he, he just uh, you know he just overwhelmed and they're both overwhelmed but he he especially but and, and, you know and he, he he goes to the lord he spends some time with god and and gets the word and and uh and uh um and then finally he goes to he goes to work to school and uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a man, an elderly man, who, who's going around called Mr. Bridges, and he's praying for the lockers, and he's praying over the students uh, as he prays over the lockers, and that's a story that, that ministers to me, too, but that's about another time. But anyway, um, he sees Mr. Bridges walking down the, the hallway, and actually Mr. Bridges comes, comes into his office, his, 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 uh, uh, coach, the coaches' office, and gives him a word, a word from God, and it catches him, uh, by surprise a little bit, but uh, he, he's also been in a season where he's been seeking God for wisdom, for direction, uh, for counsel, for help, and uh, and so he, he he catches up with Mr. Bridges and says, uh, "I said that word was from God." He says, "Yes, it was," and, and he ta- tells Mr. Bridges, well, I've been praying, and uh, uh, and I I, I uh, but I, I'm not seeing results." And uh, I'm just paraphrasing some of this. And finally, Mr. Bridges get, tells him something. He says. You know, two farmers desperately needed rain. One went to go prepare his fields. Which one do you think was ready? And he, he and, uh, and so, uh, the obvious answer was the one who was preparing his fields.
1: Both, and both were praying.
0: They were praying for rain.
1: But, but the one believed God.
0: Because he went to go prepare his fields, and so you know, there, we can be praying for God's uh, provision. Direction, we can be believing God for direction, but there's also a step of faith where we actually are preparing our fields, whatever that looks like for you. I don't know what that may look like for you in your situation, but you know, and get direction from God. What that looks like? Well, we've had some direction for us, and we're making some steps of faith. Not make not something that we're doing foolish, but we are taking some steps of faith, and uh, and we're believing that God is going to come through. And uh, you know, we we started this whole journey back in 2009 uh, uh, actually 2013 we didn't have a dime to our name and God told us to go to Bible College. Uh, we, we hadn't had jobs for five years we finally sherry started finding working can get, get a job We needed to put that income towards getting the car back and up and running <coughs> We needed to get a phone so I could get a job uh, and there were things that we needed. But uh, God told us to sign up for Bible college, not just one of us, but two of us, not just part-time, but full-time. Two full-time tuitions with no income, with very low income, actually, because Sherry just started working. And God told us to sign up for full-time, and we did, and within an hour, God gave us a job. Sometimes it's just simply uh, as committing our way to Him, trusting Him, and He will bring it to pass, Psalm 37, verse 5. And so, anyway... Sometimes we need to get out of the boat, you know, and sometimes getting out, you know, when Jesus got out of the boat, I mean, when Peter got out of the boat, it wasn't during a nice, peaceful, calm, uh, sunny afternoon. It was during a raging storm. And sometimes we got to take a step of faith and do what God's called to do, uh, even in a raging storm, even when it doesn't make sense. Walk, walking around the city seven times and on the seventh day uh, doing it because God's God told us to do that uh, where do we get those directions how do we know to step out of the boat because we have a relationship with God, Peter had a relationship with Jesus and he said Lord if it's you, tell me to come and you know, and, you know what, what, what are you going to do Peter told him, Jesus, if it's you tell me to come, Well, what's Jesus going to do no it's not me you know, but at the same point in time he did tell him uh, come and Peter responded to his master's word. He's our master. He's our savior. He's our shepherd. And we can, we, we can know what we can know, not based on the circumstances, not based on anyone else. Everyone else that loves us could be telling us something different. But we need to get our direction from God. And when God tells us what to do, even if it doesn't make sense, but we know that we know that we know we're trusting God, I would rather trust God and make a mistake than play it safe and do nothing. The safest place is is doing what God's calls to do. I'm not encouraging Andrew's not advocating us to go do something stupid and, and, and doing something that, in our own strength and our own wisdom, being wise in our own eyes. But out of our relationship with God, God will direct us and show us this is the way, walk ye in it. God has provision, God has direction, God has, God has already made provision for the need before the need ever was there. And so God has a need, an answer to your problems, to your physical problems. He's, he says by his stripes you were healed. He, he will keep in perfect peace. He whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in him. That's not just a cliché. That's not just Christianese. That's not just a, a nice little bread box promise. And thank God for bread box promises. There's many promises. All of the promises of God are yes and amen to the glory of God by us, through us. But at the same point in time, we need to take those promises and apply them. We need to take those promises and believe God. Trust God. God We'll honor his word above his own name, he says. We can trust God. We can trust him as his word. Uh, anyway, I, I can say more. Did you have more to say?
1: Oh, just, you know, as Dave's talking, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about all these stories in the Bible about God speaking to someone, and they might be totally out of their comfort zone, just totally like, what the heck, God but they step out in faith and do it. You know, the, the time that, that Peter had fished all night and caught nothing and Jesus said, go out and do it again. And Peter's like, wait, we haven't caught anything, but nevertheless at your word, Lord, I will go do it. And he caught the biggest catch of his life. You know, Joshua didn't understand why they were gonna march around Jericho, but he did it because God told him to and the walls fell down. You know, Esther, little, little Esther, who, who was, you know, just willing to do what she could for, for her countrymen. She was, she was directed to go speak to the king. She could have lost her life, but she was used by God. You know, she trusted God. We, we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego last week. They trusted God and came through the fire without even smelling like smoke. You know, the, the time that Dave has uh, has shared about how we didn't have, have work, and but God told us to go to Bible school. God put on his heart, go to Toys R Us. Why go to Toys R Us? I mean, we don't shop there, we don't even have money to shop there, but he got a job there. You know, one of my first jobs coming out of our financial famine. Was at a computer repair shop. I know, well, at the time, I knew diddly squat about that. But I was hired and I had favor with God, and He helped me learn things that I needed to do for my job. And that was a stepping stone to eventually get us here. So it's exciting to, you know, go back in the Bible and read these stories, these true stories of people who trusted God, who had. Something that didn't make sense to them, but God put it on their heart and they did it. Uh, who was it? Uh, Elisha told the widow, um, "Go get, you know, borrow all these these jars and vessels from your neighbors." And the little oil she had, she poured in all of these vessels, and that got her and her son and the prophet through a famine, so they didn't die. I mean, there's so many things, so many stories. Some examples of how people trusted God and He totally turned the situation around.
0: You know, i am got to brag about my dad. Uh, he might even be listening. I know my mom uh, is, is watching, but, uh, you know, my dad can be, uh, God told my dad to have a, I began to host a Bible study at his home. And that was out of my comfort zone, out the comfort zone of my dad to do that. And he was tell, he's told me many times, he he's told the Lord he didn't know if he could do that. Well, long story short, uh, the Lord told him, do it in your driveway. And my dad responded, I think I can do that. And so, even though it was something out of his comfort zone, he took a risk, because it was a risk for him. And uh, he has my parents have opened their driveway, and they've been having a Bible study every week, and they have a full driveway of doing a Bible study in their own driveway amidst COVID, amidst everything else, and, uh, you know, I'm proud of them. You know, yeah. it was a risk. I know that was a challenge. Uh, and, and, and he still, like, doesn't know what he's going to lead every week. But he says, he told me the other day, I got six days to figure it out. You know, uh, but praise God. You know, sometimes we got to do, take risk and do something. Open our mouths. Go talk to people. Uh, you know, and a lot of us, that freaks us out to even do something like that.
1: But the, but the but the 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 thing that I love is their neighbors are being ministered to. You know, and all of this, you know, we've heard testimonies of people who have just been so encouraged. Who even? Who might even come with a, a Bible question, and they're able to 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 lay it out there and be just vulnerable uh, to my in-laws, and they're being ministered to. I mean, that is just the best thing ever.
0: It's an inspiration to me, that's for sure. So, anyway, let's go ahead and read some more, Sherry. Um, uh, again, we're doing our Bible study, Don't Limit God, from Angie Womack. And we're at the title of this section it says, It's Exciting to Serve God.
1: It is. I've actually reached a place in my life that when <coughs> excuse me. when everything is going well and I don't have any challenges, Or when God isn't asking me to do something that's bigger than myself, it's boring. I'm a pretty bland person, so people think I don't ever do anything exciting or fun. But everyone has some outlet. My outlet is four-wheeling over mountain passes with a thousand foot drop straight down. I just think that's awesome. Well, Andrew, you might, but I don't know about that. Once I drove my pickup across a gorge known as the Devil's Punchbowl. It was 100 or 200 feet deep. You have to make a right-hand turn, and there are only two steel beams across the gorge. No planks or anything. It was exciting. Jamie was screaming a little and has refused to ever let me go over this gorge again. But to me, this was fun. Uh, I don't think I could do that if your life doesn't have a little bit of excitement in it you might as well say God I'll go anywhere or do anything you want follow through on it and I guarantee God will make your life exciting you might think but I might fail yes you might Proverbs 24 16 says that a righteous man will get up seven times you don't have to be afraid of taking a risk and failing take the limits off God Step out in faith and do what he has called you to do. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Second Chronicles 16, 9 Being perfect doesn't mean you are sinless. Here, God was referring to people who are committed to him and telling him, God, I'll do anything. I'll say whatever you want me to say. I'll go wherever you want me to go. Just tell me what to do and I'll follow you to the best of my ability. God is looking throughout the whole earth for people like this. Are you willing to risk it all to follow him? Your response should be, God, look no further. Here I
0: am. Oh, Amen. I really like that verse uh, from uh, Andrew Close from uh, Proverbs 24, 16. That a righteous man uh, gets up seven times. You know, uh, we, might, we might mess that up a, a few times, but it's okay. You know, I love working with children, especially the little tiny tots. You know, they want to do everything. They want to try it. They want to do it. You know, the, the, we, you can do it a lot better than them, and they might even mess it all up. But it's just cute to watch them try. They do different things, whatever the case may be. And, uh, you know, sometimes we can be that way. But uh, we just need to we just need to go do what God's called us to go do. We, when we need to have a relationship, we need to find out what that is. And, uh, you know, and a lot of times when God tells you to go do something, it will be something that will stretch you. It will be something that will be bigger than you. Because it will be something that you have to trust Him to do it. If you can trust you to do what God called you to do, to me, I, I, have, I almost uh, um, hesitate to even know if that's God. God will call you to do something that you have to trust Him to do it. Uh, that's God. That's how God works. That, that's how God operates. It's not just something you can trust to you. Now, I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying God won't call you to do something that, 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 that is using your talents, your skills, whatnot. But even then, you still have to trust God. You have to trust God that you can get up every morning. You can have to trust God that uh, you have good health every day. You have to trust God for everything uh, that you. Uh, you know, we take so many things for granted. Don't take God for granted. You know, the day and age that we live in with COVID and the things going on in our government and our world, we need to trust God. God is our source. God is our banner. God is our righteousness. He is our king. He's our shepherd. And he can guide us. He can navigate us through the dark valleys and doing what God's called us to do. Trusting him. Trusting Him what He has called to do, what He has called to be. Some of you, God's called you to be a stay-at-home mom. Then be a stay-at-home mom. Be the best mom ever. It doesn't have to be some, you know, do what God's called you to do, whatever it is. You know, one of our pastor friends, Lawson Purdue. every time I talk to him on the phone, he always encouraged me, do what God has called you to do. You can do, and he believes, and I believe with him, that you can do what God's called you to do. You can be who God's called you to be uh and, and, and he, you know he always he, he, in his own life he won't let finances be a deciding factor whether he can do something or not to do something. if God's called him to do it he can do it and uh you know uh if, you know sometimes we need a miracle sometimes you you might be in a situation right now where you need a miracle to get you out of your situation. Believe God believe God he's in the miracle working business. The same God of Elijah, the same God of Esther, of all these people and people we mentioned, the God of Abraham believed God. And I love Romans chapter 4 where it talks about Abraham didn't even consider how old he was. He didn't even consider how old Sarah was. He only considered what God told him to do, what God promised him would happen. He only considered. He reckoned it to be so. Even when he offered Isaac, he, it, it says in Hebrews that he believed that God could raise him from the dead. He believed God. He just had no doubt. He, there was no bones about it with him. He just believed God. Believed God at his word. Trust his promises. My God shall supply my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That's a promise. And all the promises of God are yes. And in Him, a man to the glory of God, by us, through us. God's promises will come true through us, by us. But we need to believe God. We need to, believe God. We need to mix faith with it. We need to mix faith with His Word. We need, faith without works is dead. It's useless. You know, if I if I have money in the bank, but I don't use it, I'm not saying use it foolishly, I'm not saying not have a budget and, and whatnot, being a good steward of all that, yes, amen, but it does mean no good, if it just sitting in the bank. You know, um, anyway, I'm trying to give some examples of what I'm trying to say, but anyway, you have something? Uh,
1: no, I mean, I have a lot of different things running around in my head. But we just know that you can trust God even when the circumstances look like there's no way out. You know, the disciples on the boat in the storm, they thought they were going to die and yet Jesus came calmly walking toward them on the water and Peter, bless his heart, said, you know, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you. and Jesus said, come, and he stepped out of the boat trusting his Lord and, and walked on water. And, you know, there's times where we've gone through st- stuff. They've where, where, alluded to something we're going through now. Yet we're trusting God. He's given us words. You know, when God gives you a word or even this, this word... He doesn't go back on his word. He honors his word above his name. He will never leave you or forsake you. If he says he will do it, he will do it. No matter what it looks like. And, you know, with um, this morning, I think it was this mo- morning, Dave alluded to, you know, Andrew Womack's ministry. They have what they call healing journeys and destiny journeys. And it's all testimonies of people who've been healed or or they've gone through something and God's brought them out. And every single one that I've listened to, the, the, the people have taken God's word and said, nothing is going to move me off this rock. God said this. I don't care what anything else looks like. God said this. And every one of them triumphed through whatever it was that they were going through. And some of the stuff, some of the stuff was so bad, I mean, anybody listening would say, there's no way but God. And God got them through and healed people of some pretty bad, more than pretty bad stuff, um, and got them through financial horrific things but God got them through, and I'm encouraging you. There's no better place to be than the center of God's will, knowing who you are in Him and how much He loves you.
0: Amen. Right. Amen. Right. There's a lot I can piggyback on, but I want to read, Roy, really, uh, let's read this next little section. We're doing Don't Let Me God from Manager Womack. We'll talk about the fear of risk, and the title of this little section right here says Totally Committed. And uh, Sherry, you can read that for us.
1: Dwight L. Moody once attended a service in Chicago where he heard a preacher make the following statement, the world has never seen what God can do through one person who's totally committed to him. Dwight stood up and said, I'll be that man, even though he only had a third grade education and could barely read. When Dwight preached, he would read a passage of scripture up to a word that he didn't know then stop and preach on it. Then he would start on the other side of that word so people wouldn't know that he couldn't read. Dwight L. Moody was rejected by three churches. He tried to join them, but they didn't consider him to be a good enough Christian to be a member of their churches. They rejected him from being a member, yet he preached to crowds of 150,000 before they even had microphones. He preached to kings and impacted every continent on the face of the earth. He was the Billy Graham of his day. He saw miracle after miracle and amazing things happened through his ministry. You may have some things in your heart that would cause you to live your life differently if you didn't have restrictions. Yet fear is causing you to limit yourself and limit what God can do, because you're afraid that you might not prosper as much as you are prospering now. You are afraid that people might criticize you or that something negative might happen. Before I die, I believe I will accomplish everything that God has put on the inside of me. I can truthfully say that right now I am in the process of doing everything that God has placed in my heart and I know that as I continue to grow, He will give me more things to do. I haven't arrived, but I've left. I am moving in the right direction.
0: All right. Thank you. Um, I really like this. I really like the the testimony of Dwight L. Moody. And as Andrew Womack uh, says, you know, he was like the Billy Graham of his day. Dwight L. Moody only had a third grade uh, education, he couldn't read. And uh, yet, God used him to reach people on every continent. Crowds of over 150,000 before there was even microphones and technology as we have it today. And yet God used Dwight Moody despite his education, despite some other handicaps because of that handicap, educa- lack of education. And it didn't limit him to doing what God called him to do. You know, and uh, that just inspires me, you know. Uh, so, you know, whatever, uh, God has called you to do, uh, you know, um, whatever that looks like, you might not be a Billy Graham, Dwight L. Moody, Andrew Womack, you might not be a pastor or whatnot, but there's things God's called you to do.
1: But you're you. Yes. That, that's the thing that we can't stress enough. God has specifically made you, you, that you can't be more special than that.
0: Right. Right. And, uh. That's exactly who you're supposed to be, and what you're supposed to do is connected with who you are in Christ, and uh, and so, and that's what we're encouraging, and, and 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 you being you, as you have a relationship with God, identifying in who you are in Him, God will give you direction, and God will give you uh, the the, the know how of what you're supposed what you're supposed to do, and what that looks like, and so. Your direction, your, you know, Jesus didn't do anything. He didn't hear his father tell him to do. Uh, you know, I, I just, you know, I, growing up, I remember reading the Bible. And I was, I was encouraged to uh, from my parents, and I'm so glad I was. But uh, I remember re- reading the scriptures, and I loved the miracles. I loved the stories. But you know the thing I always loved the most, even as a child, was God talked to so-and-so, and so-and-so talked to God. I just love that relationship. And I remember my high school days when I began to get close with God, that I said, Lord, that's exactly how I want it to be. And uh, if it's not going to be that way, then I'm not interested. And uh, uh, that's, uh, I, you know, I want to see the God that I've read about alive doing the miracles that I've read about. But I also want that relationship with you like these people did. And uh, uh, you talk to them, they talk to you. I love those. Because to me, that's real. I don't like phony. I don't like fake. I don't like just religion to be religious. I like real. There's real people out there. With real lives. Real pain. Real emotions. Real needs. I have real needs. I have real feelings. I am... uh, I want a God that is alive, that's real, but I'm not going to experience him to his fullness. God's not going to use me to my full potential if I limit him in my life, if I don't trust him, if I don't have a relationship, if I'm struggling with my identity in Christ, I will be limited. I can only go so far if I don't have a good identity, if I don't have a good foundation, I won't only go so far if I'm struggling with sin and this and that. I can only go so far. But I can do what God called me to do to its fullest. Despite if everyone else and everything else is against me, I can do what God has called me to do. And I can be who God's called me to be if I won't limit Him, if I have a relationship with Him. <coughs> never I let him guide me and lead me. He's never going to guide me and lead me contrary to his word. He's never going to guide me or lead me contrary to Jesus Christ. He's never going to lead me or guide me into sin, into sickness, into something that's selfish, that's foolish. You know, we can even do ministry selfishly. We can do even good things selfishly because we're trusting us. We're trusting what me. We're trusting what I can do, what I've accomplished. I I love how Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me and the life I live. I, I live by the faith of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I live by the faith of God and him who loved me and gave himself for me. I love that. You know, it's probably almost my second favorite scripture. It just, uh, you know, I have, you know, I remember uh, a few years back, God asked me a question. He says, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? And I told him, I said, I see Dave. Every time I look in the mirror and he's there, you know, Uh, a mirror is a reflective device. It reflects whatever it's looking at. And uh, I knew I had answered the question wrong and God asked me the question again. Dave, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? And, uh, you know, the Word of God is a mirror. And God says, when you look into my Word, when you look into the mirror of my Word, He says, I don't want you to see yourself. I want you to see me. Because he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know, go with me real quick uh, to Philemon. Philemon chapter, and there's only one chapter, uh, verse 6. Philemon, sorry, I'm going a little slow, but maybe that's good for you. Philemon
1: Philemon is is the chapter just before Hebrews.
0: So find Hebrews, go back uh, a page or two, and you'll see Philemon. Philemon is just... uh, uh one chapter and I'm gonna go to verse six and I'm gonna toggle to the King James It says that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in which is in you in Christ Jesus. Paul says to Bilemon that the communication, you know that word communication it is the word koinonia, The fellowship of your faith. The koinonia, the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every, not just some, but every good thing that is already in you, in Christ Jesus. Your faith will be effectual when you acknowledge every good thing that's in you, in Christ Jesus. Because anything that's good that's in you is in Christ Jesus. There's nothing good in you that is not Christ. If there's anything good in me, if there's anything noble, anything trustworthy, anything it's because of Christ. And my faith will be effect, will be effectual <coughs> as I acknowledge every good thing that's in me in Christ Jesus. That is so profound. I mean, I can chew on every single word uh, of that verse. It's so rich with truth. And that is another favorite verse of mine that, by which I, I, I just live by. You know, and when I'm not effectual, when my faith is not effectual, because I'm acknowledging in everything else, but when everything, good, I'm acknowledging anything but what's good in me in Christ Jesus. If I'm acknowledging my sickness and not every good thing that's in me in Christ Jesus, my faith isn't going to be effectual. My faith is effectual when I acknowledge everything that's good in me in Christ Jesus. How does that work for healing? By His stripes. I am healed. And to quote Peter, by his stripes we were healed. Past tense. I'm going to acknowledge every good thing that's in me in Christ Jesus, which includes healing. includes wholeness. The word salvation, soteria, that's root, sozo, means wholeness, healing, provision, prosperity. It's wholeness. And that wholeness is in me in Christ Jesus. That's what I'm acknowledging. I'm not acknowledging everything else that Christ has already paid for. I'm not acknowledging my sin that Jesus said He became. I'm acknowledging every good thing that's in me in Christ Jesus. It's these revelations I'm talking about that set me free from sin. I had my own addictions. I had my own down I had my own insecurities. We had our own financial problems. We had uh, other things. But every my communication, my faith will become effectual as I acknowledge every good, not just some, not just the ones I want to acknowledge, but every good thing that's in Christ Jesus. And if there's anything good in me, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. All things have become new. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.14, we know no man of the. I can't know myself after the flesh. No, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. He who became sin is in the same passage, passage of Scripture. He says, he who knew no sin became sin, that I might become the righteousness of God. He says, I've been reconciled to him. He he says he, he even says he's reconciled the whole world to himself. But his, the whole world is not acknowledging every good thing that's in him in Christ Jesus. We shall, we shall know the truth, and the truth Shall set us free. But we have to know the truth. Paul said, I mean, Jesus said that in John chapter 8, but he after he prefaced that by saying, You shall know my word. He shall, I'm gonna paraphrase it, you shall know my words, and you'll be my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We need to be his disciples. A disciple is the one who's studying the word of God. And a disciple not only studies the word of God, but a disciple does what the word of God says. And he says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth can't set you free if you don't know it. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We have to trust this truth more than we trust this flesh. More than we trust anything in in the natural. The Bible says, Paul says in Romans 8, 6, to be naturally minded, or to be carnally minded, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I want to be spiritually minded. I don't want to be naturally minded. I don't want to use my senses. I want to use the word of God. Because if God says, I can go forward, when, like he told Moses who had a, a sea before him, Pharaoh's army uh, in his back and mountains all around him. He said, go forward. When God says you can go forward, when you think in the natural you can't, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And There's nothing impossible for him who believes. And I want to choose to believe God. Whatever we're going through, whether it be stuff we're going through, stuff you're going through, my God has an answer for whatever you're going through. You might have a third-grade education like Dwight Dwell Moody, but He can use you. You are not limited. You might have financial issues with uh, with the IRS or with something else, but God, my God, will supply my needs according to God our riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Peter had to pay taxes. And Jesus told him to go fishing. You know, every time Jesus told him Peter to go fishing, he caught something good. He said, go fishing. And the first fish you get, you'll find a coin in his mouth and to pay your taxes. God can provide something supernaturally in the way that you wouldn't even think, think imaginable to meet your need. He's not trying to get a way to get around it. He will find a way to pay Caesar with and when God is God's. And I believe that when God does it, there will be 12 baskets left over. I mean, that boy gave his lunch and he went home to mama with 12 baskets. I mean, there's different ways to paint, paint the ending of that story, but it just... Uh, <coughs> God loves you. My beloved friends, you know, Behold, a manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. We are His kids. We are His children. He loves us. He, he will take care of our needs because we have a good, good daddy. And He said he, we can come boldly to His stone of grace to so receive mercy in our time of need. God can turn our situation around. We're going through a situation right now. But God can and He will turn it around. Why? Because He said it. And I believe it. My flesh wants to, to wallow sometimes in, in, in agony in different and in other emotions at times. But God will meet our need. He's done it before. He promised He'll do it. He'll do it again. I'm trusting God. I don't want to limit God. And I'll do what God calls us to do. Anyway. Pay in to share.
1: Um, yes. Um, this is a, uh, an actual word for someone. Um, I won't say your name. But you know who you are. I feel like God is going to send you that fish for your taxes. And you might not recognize that fish. But he's going to send you that fish to pay your taxes.
0: Amen. Amen. Receive it. So
1: uh, We just want to uh, pray you guys out. Because we know that God has his best for you. And we encourage you to trust him and don't limit him. But uh, thank you, Lord, for all these precious people. These precious believers who are listening. Whatever they are going through, Lord, we thank you that your grace is more than enough. In fact, you give an abundance of grace to get us through anything that we could ever go through. And I thank you, Lord. Uh, There's just so much I want for each of these people to be in the the center of your will, Lord, to be uh, just completely trusting you to know who they are in Christ, to have that relationship with you, Lord, uh, like Dave was talking about, where they can walk with you in the cool of the garden and just be themselves because that is who you created them to be, Lord. Thank you for these precious, precious, loved people, Lord, that belong
0: to you. I want to do something different that we haven't necessarily done on live stream before. We've done it in our, our gatherings here from time to time. But, uh, uh, Sherry? And did you, oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. I didn't want my wife to get away just yet. <laughs> but uh, Sherry flows very fluently through the interpretation of tongues. And I just feel led to pray in tongues just for a moment and just see if she has something. I know Sherry gave one word, but I didn't see if something more. Okay? Just for a brief moment. abashigi, 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 abashigi,
1: I think this is more of a picture for somebody. I think that you are feeling you are out in the storm and you are being tossed to and fro by the waves. And it and it looks like you're going to to even perish. But God is going to get you take you out of that and He is going to place you on the shore where it's peaceful the waves are calm the sand is fresh I, I think he has a new a new beginning for you
0: Amen Amen. All right, well, that's when the Lord just received it. But anyway, God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. And anyway, God bless you. We love you.